Hello, welcome to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. I'm Susie Colick, the creator of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense, a self-empowerment program through self-defense. I'm a storyteller, a violent crime survivor, and a martial artist. I use these experiences to develop a program that's tailored for the way women actually learn, the things we actually face, and that's actually fun. Well, I think it's fun. We do too. These are some of our Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Certified Trainers. Hi, I'm Serena. Hi, I'm Shelby. And I'm Marilise. They're in LA, and I'm in Berlin. And there are a lot of miles between us. So what do you do if there isn't a Pretty Deadly Self-Defense course near you? Well, we put some basic techniques in an app. Which you can download from our website, prettydeadlyselfdefense.com. But we thought it would also be a good idea to take some of the self-defense questions we're most frequently asked and put it in the podcast. Welcome to the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Podcast. Welcome to episode 64. This week, we're talking about defending yourself against an animal attack. So this one took two distinct routes in my mind. Um, and they're very, very, very different. Um, one is you're walking in your neighborhood. It's actually an experience. My sister-in-law had this experience. And it, this is what brought to my mind is something important that I think a lot of people think about is she lives in Brooklyn. and She was walking with her two-year-old, obviously pre-pandemic. And this neighborhood dog jumped out and bit her. And it just it started attacking her. And she was kind of in this mode of obviously wanting to protect her son, but there was a woman behind the dog chasing it. So, and it was clearly a dog. She was trying to stop the dog and she didn't want to hurt the dog because obviously it's someone's pet and the dog's beloved. So, you know, how, how do you fend yourself in that situation when you don't want to hurt the animal? But then on the flip side, um, around the same time she was telling me this story, well, it was very much not the same time, but <laughs> I, I was thinking of it then again when I saw on Facebook there was this video that was just had gone viral of someone on a run and a mountain lion was fending them off. And mountain lion never really dove in for an attack, but it was following the person and its paws were going and its teeth were snarled and it was pretty scary. And in that situation, it's totally different. Your sentiment is not, well, this is the neighborhood dog. I don't want to hurt it, but you want to defend yourself. And the need to defend yourself is so much greater because whereas the dog's going to bite you, I don't think you're nearly as scared about the dog ripping your throat out as much as the mountain lion or the coyote. So or the wild pig, by the way, that's what we have here in Berlin. Or the wild pig. It's, it's two different scenarios that I think deserve attention on how do you do, you know, differentiating your response to a wild animal attack and how do you do that? Well, I mean, I think you, <laughs> I think you differentiate your response depending on the animal. Yeah, no, I, I have like I have so many thoughts about this as somebody who's worked with animals. Yeah, unfortunately, I, 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 can I just jump in with what I know that you guys have dogs, and I really love dogs, but your first scenario, Marilise, of, um, you know, the your sister is being attacked by a dog, 
bitten and, and attacked and she doesn't want to hurt the neighborhood dog. But you know what? Punch the dog. Punch the dog in the neck. That's what you do. The dog will recover, but she needs to get the dog to stop biting her and also protect her child. And the the even if it's somebody's beloved neighborhood dog and who knows what caused the attack, she does have a right to defend herself and she also has a, an obligation to defend her child. It's it's punch the dog. Um, I think that the situations that Marilise presented are different. Um, you know, yeah, very based off of the animal, but like also the wild animal versus the neighborhood dog is different because the neighborhood dog is going to attack you. It wants to attack you for whatever reason, something sparked it. And it was like, I must attack you now. It's seeking you out versus like a wild animal. I've come across a rattlesnake and a boar, a wild boar um, on different hikes. And I know that a lot of people have come across bears, but the reality is the bear is not hunting you. The bear does not seeking you out for the most part, even the mountain lion that was tracking that uh, jogger was likely uh, happened upon the, what usually happens, especially in wildlife scenarios is you accidentally startled the animal and now the animal's protecting what's its uh, territory and is afraid of it. So when I encountered the rattlesnake, I actually jumped down from a rock and landed in front of the rattlesnake that I didn't know was there, heard the scary rattle and went, shoot, and just like bounded away as fast as I possibly could. So there was the startle rattle. And then there was the, okay, you better stay away from me rattle, uh, where it was like trying to be intimidating and menacing. And I was like, that's fine. I'm out. Um, but that's the kind of situation that happens in wildlife is where they're not necessarily expecting to attack you or hunting you the way that like a triggered dog is you know in the park or something it's a little bit two different mindsets so it's okay how do I keep it from trying to attack me versus this thing is already coming for me I'm Um, gonna say that depends that actually depends so the the reason why I'm saying this is because a I've I've also lived in Alaska (laughs) so you know whereas like my my family who lives in Arizona had you know um uh, scorpion training and rattlesnake training. I got polar bear training. And um, I'm going to say that there were absolutely instances where that bear was chasing you because it wanted to eat you. <laughs> so it was not, it was not like a, Hey, I don't really want to fight you right now. It's like, Hey, you're looking real good. Cause I couldn't find some seals. And um, it, uh, Susie's correct in that it absolutely depends on the animal. She's also correct in that if a dog, like say in your, the most likely scenario, a dog attacks you in your neighborhood or something like that, which is what Marilise used. Um, yes, you absolutely, pet, beloved or not, need to defend your sense. You absolutely need to because do not, don't even second guess this. If that dog is attacking you, that dog will actually try to attack you, not just like on your arm, but possibly your throat you know, it will absolutely try to hurt you. And there have been deaths. There are people who have died. So you need to take that with the level of seriousness that it is. And as much as I love dogs, which I really do, I've worked with them. um, I also know and respect the fact that they can be dangerous. And that's the reality. Humans, any animal, any animal can be dangerous. And that's something you always have to keep in mind. But I think that especially with the scenario that, and I instantly thought of that too, when, when Marilise had mentioned this topic 
was the one that got publicized about the the mountain lion. At the beginning of his jog, he saw her cubs. And you can tell by her body, body language and what she's doing in the video, she is not actually trying to attack him. She is trying to scare him away. Because if she wanted to attack him, she wouldn't stop. She wouldn't keep stopping. And with wild animals, you're often told to be bigger, to throw things at them, to make noise, to seem like, you know, to scare them away, which works with a lot of certain types of animals. With other animals, it does not. And a good example of this is a black bear. You absolutely never want to do that with a black bear because they'll kill you. Um, So when it comes to those things, it really, really depends. And some of the things that I noted just kind of when I was looking into animals that I don't I'm not familiar with is, you know, one of the major things is um, safe distances. So we always talk about, we've, we've talked about distance, like how to create safety with distance. That's the same thing with animals. You want to know what a safe distance is from a wild animal because the safe distance, like, like Shelby just said, with a rattlesnake is very different than with a cougar. <laughs> you know, those are different animals. Your safety is going to be widely different. Also, with the with respect to awareness, you want to know what season am I in? Is it fall? That's where most of the bear attacks happen in the fall, you know, or am I trying to swim out in the ocean at dusk or dawn when both like that's when you're going to have a problem in brackish water with alligators. That's where you're going to have a problem with something like sharks. You know, that kind of awareness is important if you're going to interact with wildlife know what's around, know what, what the animals are that are in that area and kind of how they behave. You know, those are really important things. And, and cause if you don't, you're not going to know which ones you should fight and which ones you shouldn't, because there's some you definitely shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I think one overarching thing when I look into this, cause it's definitely something you're right, Serena, that you need to know when you're going out for a hike or wandering around, just what is the wildlife around you based on LA, Ohio, New York, <laughs> Germany, Ireland, it's all going to be different, even like any country. Um, The one thing that I've always seen for land animals is that you don't turn your back on them and you don't run because you you basically switch on their prey instinct and suddenly you look scared and you're showing that fear we you better you hurt. better turn around and run as fast as you fucking can and get up a tree if you've got a wild boar chasing you in the wind <laughs> yeah i, I will was, tell you that. yeah i was gonna that say. is that is there's no like yeah there's no yeah there's no like with with wild boar when they're if they're charging you um and they have a couple of them have killed people here and right now, apparently, they also have African swine flu, I just read. So it's, adult, I don't know, that hasn't jumped over to humans, but now I don't trust any virus. So the, um, but they, they have a few times. And so generally, like, if you are in an area, if you, if you come across a wild boar, which is very common even here in Berlin when you're out there, there's a lot of wooded areas in the city um, and the boar roam freely. They are a protected animal, and so that's what they can do. Um, and if you come across one, generally you do want to stay very still, and hopefully the boar is not interested in you and will just trundle along and leave you alone. Um, you may run into a herd and or whatever groups of boar are called. I don't really know. I think they're herds. Um, 
you'd like probably want to get out of their path if they're running. Um, but you're a bit safer up a tree is the, is, and, and to just get, out, just get out of the area as fast as you can. We had, I was with a friend a few years ago on one of the lakes here in Germany. Um, you know, there's a little sandy patch going down to the water and a few of us sitting in this little sandy patch and out of the woods comes this boar just taking a walk along the beach <laughs> and everybody just froze because you, you, you have no idea what this, what this boar is going to do. You know, we all just had to wait for the boar to like, you know, get its feet wet, refresh itself, hang out for a bit, kind of, check us all out for a second and then leave. <laughs> it was really fascinating how close it comes and how, how much it, it actually knows that it dominates, that it's the most powerful animal in that scenario. And I think that's something to also consider, you know, that it's not like animals, animals are sentient beings and they certainly know when they're more powerful than you are. So I think that's also something to consider. I mean, I think one of the main things is there's a lot of different animals and a lot of different ways to defend against them. And, and what are the local, what are your local animals and what are you likely to encounter when you're out and about in the world? But I think one of the most common things that people do wonder is, you know, what about that neighborhood dog? Yeah. And I think Marilise did say something that she had actually prefaced with this. And this was correct in that most cases uh, with land animals, you don't want to run. Now, that's absolutely the case with dogs. Absolutely the case with dogs. You do not want to run um, because it does actually trigger the trail drive with dogs. Um, you do want to stand. You want to stop. And I've actually had experiences where I've been chased by a dog. Um, who was going to bite me, but I stopped, you know, and faced the dog and that caused them to stop chasing me, stop pursuing me. Um, but it's true. It, it depends. So like uh, just with what Susie was saying with the boar situation, that's absolutely true with polar bears. You want to run. You want to run and you want to start taking off pieces of clothing as you're running because what will happen is they'll stop and they'll sniff it. And they'll buy you a few seconds of time for you to get to safety. Now, polar bears aren't always trying to like eat you. There's, there's other seasons, other times, things where they're not trying to do that, but um, they are very dangerous. And you, you do absolutely want to stay away from them. But I think it just kind of goes to show you much like what Susie was saying is that it depends on the animal. And um, I think here in Los Angeles, one of the, one of the more common things we have, uh, which got, mentioned in an article we all kind of read, which was coyotes. Coyotes is very, very common here. They're, they're very durable animals. They live everywhere. They, we've had many times uh, the past few years where coyotes have attacked either people, children, or dogs. And um, it does create, you know, kind of a dangerous situation because they live in most urban areas. I know I've got a whole family of coyotes that lives across the street from me. Um, but uh, it, something that, that was mentioned, and w which is absolutely true, is that they, uh, they tend to go after things, animals, people who they think they can pull away and drag off. That's like easy kill, easy, easy things for them to get. Um, they have had incidences where people, they've gone after like larger dogs, 
Um, but it's usually a pack that does it. Um, and in that scenario, much like some bears, so brown bears, you absolutely want to do this with where you're making yourself bigger and more scary, um, that you do that with coyotes. You want to make sure that they don't get used to you, that they're always afraid of you. Um, because if they're not, then they get more emboldened to come closer and closer and possibly take your little chihuahua, <laughs> you know, because that's one of the lovely things to do. Little dogs. They love little dogs. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and like Shelby was mentioning, rattlesnakes, we see those all the time in our area. And I know for like, you know, we're talking about a lot of different animals and how to counter all of them, right? Um, and we're talking about across the world. Well, I like to go on hikes when I travel. And there's a lot of different animals to keep track of who should do what when. And honestly, though, the hikes that I go on, even though I'm traveling and I have no idea what to do in Denali, Alaska, they make it very, very clear. Here's what to do if you encounter a moose. Here's what to do if you encounter a bear. When you go into that national park, there are signs everywhere on all of the trailheads um, to A, stay on the trail. And then B, if a moose comes onto the trail, what do you do in that scenario? Um, you don't like the one guy tried to do pet it. Um, that was not good. Uh, what happens when you do see a brown bear or whatever the natural wildlife is in that area? They do make it clear of here's what you can do. Here's how to do it. Um, the time that I encountered the rattlesnake, that was when I was not being good and I was being off trail um, out here in LA. Uh, but like, you know, stick to the trail will help. But then also when, before you go, the only way you can know what to do in that scenario of another animal that you were just, it's not your neighborhood animal. It's not your neighborhood coyote. It's not your neighborhood dog is to uh, bone up, read the literature. And that's how you know how to defend yourself against that animal. If God forbid the time should come that you have to. I mean, and I, I say, you know, the most common like domesticated animal attacks are from my understanding is dogs and horses. A lot of people don't think horses can attack you, but they absolutely do. Um, uh, and I just, you know, I, you know, I can't say, I can't repeat enough what Susie said earlier, which is that if something attacks you, you do absolutely have the right to defend yourself, do what you have to do to get out of that attack. When it comes to, um, coyotes specifically, Marylise, I mentioned this to you in a private conversation once that, that I think is probably what might've prompted this. Um, discussion topic today is that we use coyote attacks or a defense against coyote attacks um, in pretty deadly, actually. And by this, I mean, when coyotes attack in packs, um, when coyotes attack in packs, as you guys all know, because you're in Los Angeles and this is common knowledge, but for people who don't know, when coyotes attack in packs, they don't all descend upon the animal at once. They actually... Um, nip, they kind of nip it to death almost, or they start out nipping, you know, they, it's small bites. One coyote goes in and bites, the other comes in and bites. So the animal is defending in all different directions. The animal gets um, really confused and really exhausted. And once the animal is completely confused and exhausted, it's, it's defenses are down and then all the coyotes the pack descends and literally rips the animal apart. This is something that I was actually really grateful to know when I, when I came to Germany. Um, but actually it was something, well, 
I didn't know this at the time, but when I came to Germany, it was in 2016. And that year, New Year's 2015 to 2016, there had been two attacks um, here in Germany in the cities of Köln and uh, Hamburg, where women were suddenly surrounded by a whole bunch of men um, on New Year's Eve, and then they were attacked. And it was very similar to the attacks that some journalists experienced during the Arab Spring. These kinds of group attacks I learned from somebody a while ago are actually, they've been around for a really long time, especially in some countries in the Middle East. They're a common way to surround and attack women. But as I read up about these, I was, I was horrified. You know, if you, if you know anything about the journalists who were attacked in this way during the Arab Spring um, or the women who were attacked here in Germany, it is, it is your worst nightmare come true. You're surrounded by 10, 20, 50 guys who are suddenly descending on you and all grabbing at you and attacking you at once. And I asked a lot of other martial artists that I knew, you know, what can, what would you do? How can we defend in this situation? And everyone, it was all men, but they all said, well, in that situation, I, I don't think there is anything you can do. I, I will never accept that answer about anything. And the reason I won't accept that is because I never want anybody, but women, because that's who I mostly teach, um, I never want anyone to feel so hopeless that there is nothing you can do. And what those, as I looked deeper into those attacks and started researching more about how they worked, especially in the Arab Spring, um, where they were extremely violent, the history of this type of attack, I realized that these are exactly like coyote attacks. The way that they're started and the way that they continue, the way that they confuse the victim, turn her around, it's all like tiny little touches and grabs and then it's a sudden descending of a mass. Um, and without getting too graphic, obviously the victims were, were horribly violated. Um, in the accounts that I read, no one was actually killed, but obviously all of them suffered incredible trauma. So thinking about this and researching coyote attacks and also researching, that made me research what kinds of animals actually resist coyote attacks. How do they do it? What animals in areas where coyotes are frequent, especially in the American West, um, are actually safer from coyotes? And why are they safer from coyotes? Obviously, it's not chihuahuas, right? And it's not people's house cats because those animals are constantly getting eaten by coyotes. But you know who are safer from coyotes are armadillos. Why are they safer? Because they curl up into a ball. And we can do that too. That's not necessarily the smartest thing to do with a bunch of four-legged animals with sharp teeth. Right? So that's a slightly different scenario. But in the, applying those things from the animal kingdom to um, our, our corner of the animal kingdom, <clears throat> And these types of human attacks, which are which are very similar, um, curling up into a ball in that sense can actually help us a lot. 
acting like an armadillo. So I think sometimes too, when we're wondering how to respond to an attack, um, you know, the animal kingdom is a violent kingdom. What am I saying? I sound like I'm like <laughs> from Lord of the Rings or something, but it is, <laughs> but it is a violent, I mean, there's violence, right? There's violence for humans too. But if we see, if we look to animal behavior, what are the animals that survive? What are the animals that are less likely to be killed from these animals? What are animals that are able to, or what do they do to defend themselves against their predators? We can also learn what can help us in those situations as well. Yeah, I think that's a great point that looking at attacks from the animal kingdom, it's not just how do we defend ourselves against being attacked by an animal and we fear it and we have these concerns that we need to defend ourselves against, but simultaneously in reverse, we can learn from the animal kingdom and how they survive and how they endure and remind ourselves that we are also, you know, we're in the animal kingdom, we're animals and we're biological creatures. And just because we have thumbs doesn't mean we can't adapt and adopt some of the techniques that other animals have learned to survive. Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program based in Berlin, but with coaches and trainers in a growing number of cities in Europe and around the world. If you want to join us just to take a course or to become a coach, a trainer, or even offer Pretty Deadly in your school or studio, let us know through our website at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com or find us through our app. Just search for Pretty Deadly Self-Defense in your favorite app store and download for free. And remember that all of our paid programs fund our volunteer work. So when you empower yourself, you're actually empowering another woman too. Thanks for being here. I'm Susie Pollock, and you've been listening to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. See you next week.